the last storm we had here at Ocean Reef was 25 years ago. So to actually live through this was an incredible experience. The biggest thing is communication before and after, taking care of all involved, all your staff. I look at it from the educational standpoint. What did we learn? What can we apply going forward? Do you have the cash, number one? Number two, what are you going to do with your associates? And number three, are you covered from a policy standpoint so that you can go ahead and make the best decisions for all your stakeholders? From Tallahassee to the Keys and everywhere in between, this is Education Elevated on the FLCMAA Podcast Network. On September 10th, Right, we had this hurricane come through that really changed all of our, all of our life. So as I as we transitioned up to uh, Boston to kick off with club benchmarking, uh, we had talked to uh, Beth, and we were still involved in a lot of the hurricane. And Beth uh, came up with the idea of let's collect all of this information and kind of share this information because we thought it was uh, uh, very important to all of us as we live through the life lessons. One of the things uh, we know is, you know, in the old days, I'll, I'll say back, you know, in 2000, even in the late 1990s when you're in Florida, you had this thing called the hurricanes in which, uh, you know, if it was going to hit the coast and you were in Orlando, right, you were going to be okay, right? Well, that all changed, right, in 2004 when Charlie came through. When Irma came through, right, it was going to be on the East Coast, switched over to the West Coast, and who would have thought that Jacksonville, you know, 400, 500 miles away, would have significant issues with that. So we got together with uh, NCA. Uh, we did this. We opened up the survey uh, in January, collected information to the end of uh, February, and did the analysis uh, up in uh, Boston with Mike Morin, who many of you uh, know is on our staff there, and myself and the and the people that are on the on the panel. And we really had three goals when we went through that. And we didn't know what we were going to find when we went through. But first was to document it, right? As we all know, it's uh, storms are opportunities for all of us to document and create uh, additional plans as we go forward. We wanted to really look at what the economic impact was, in addition to the social uh, impact. So I think in many of our clubs, we not only had the experience with the members either staying at our clubhouses as shelters, but we also had a brand new experience in many cases with the employees. You know, and, and I was telling Chris Brunke, you know, when you hire people, and, and at Gray Oaks we were a shelter for the members, when you look them in the eye and you say if a Category 5 storm is coming at you and you're going to come to work, when that happens, that kind of changes the employee relationship, and it really shows uh, a level of commitment that uh, other people don't uh, have. And then we want to capture the key findings, the learning points, the planning uh, as we as we go forward and do that. We put this across all the regions. Uh, very interesting. The regions all experienced. Uh, different results, both economically and socially. We had more participation down in the south than we uh, did up in the north, but uh, you'll see that within the report um, by the regions and by the areas, it's outlined what some of the different uh, economics and social impact on that. We had a good cross-section uh, between the country clubs and the yacht clubs. 
Um, there are a lot of bundled uh, communities in there. The average club had a little over 500, or the median was over 500, and the revenues were about 7.6 million, which is uh, consistent with what the national um, revenues are for clubs for the average club. Uh, these were the topics that we looked at, and it was a very comprehensive, and you'll see it's a very comprehensive uh, study. We started with the employee impact. I know that uh, in Naples, that was very significant. And when you, you know, in terms of the, uh, we housed a lot of the employees, fed a lot of the employees for a couple weeks, and uh, in our case, we're out of power for up to 10 days uh, over in Naples. We had over 200 uh, people at Gray Oaks, 200 employees and their families. So it was a very significant effect. We know a lot of the employees don't, you know, live in an area where the hurricane really impacted them. So from a safety standpoint, many of the clubs provide a safe harbor for that. So we looked at that. That was, you'll see that there's a lot of employee information there. The impact in the closures, it was very interesting. I think you'll find within the report that uh, the golf courses in many cases were closed for longer periods of time than the clubhouses. And we also saw that the impact between the regions uh, were different uh, also. So obviously, you know, down here where the, where the hurricane came from the south, a lot of the clubs in the southern part uh, of our area suffered more significant damage than the north. We saw what the insurance claims is. I don't know about you. The insurance policy at Gray Oaks is 157 pages. And within that report, it says you can interpret it to mean different things. We hired an investigator, um, and they're working through that r right now. But this whole insurance thing uh, became a big issue. Was debris covered, debris removal? What constitutes the value of a tree? At Gray Oaks, we lost 4,000 trees. So depending on what the value of those trees are impacted your insurance claim. And in 157-page documents, you know, and I know Michelle and Robin are in the room, there's interpretation on what that is, and there's lessons learned there. We also talk about advanced planning. You know, a lot of the clubs, almost over 40% of the clubs, didn't have reserve funding uh, in place. We talk about assessments that are in there. We also talk about the recovery funding and the lessons learned. So we're going to spend some time talking about that as we go forward. Some of the key findings uh, on there was that 60% of the clubs didn't have employees on site, which meant 40% uh, did have employees on site as we went through. Um, a lot of the clubs, almost 60% of the clubs, provided some form of employee funding. I think that was relatively uh, new to us. We started at Gray Oaks. We started a collection, an employee collection, and we took care of 100% of all the employee issues, and we weren't alone in that from a housing standpoint. A lot of the clubs in the Naples area did that. There were assessment, need, you know, almost a quarter, over a quarter of our clubs assessed the members, um, and those assessments were in excess of $300,000. So when you have a not-for-profit business, where our operations are basically budgeted at zero or break even, a $300,000 uh, impact was very uh, important to all of us and how we funded that. And many of us had to put out an assessment. We put out an assessment uh, at Gray Oaks. Like I said, 45% did not fund for reserves. And I think that might change in the future as we go, as we go forward. 
Um, we also had 42% weren't sure what was covered. I can tell you, I was one of those. You know, if you had given me a quiz uh, before the hurricane about what was covered and what wasn't covered in my plan, uh, I would have failed it, right? And there was some interpretation on that. Also, d disaster recovery. If you had water damage within your uh, club and you had to mitigate that and you had to pull out and you're out of business for a couple weeks, we, we saw 42% of our, of our clubs did not have that uh, insurance. And the median claim was in excess of 338. The largest claim was over $2 million, uh, and 61% were still waiting to get their uh, money when we concluded the survey. So from a funding standpoint, I think for many of us, you know, it was a cash issue. If you had vendors and you had the tree, people on and you had the debris removal, you had to write checks for that and were you set up financially to be able to handle that because as you know, those, you know, those tree people uh, were very important to us as we, as we try to get back open and they expected uh, to get paid. So all of that is detailed in that. There's actually 46 pages. If you go down to the website, there's 46 pages there. You can print that out. We hope that you take that uh, to the board, and we hope that you contribute uh, to that in the future. On the NCA resources, on the website, there's a disaster planning guide that I think you'll find useful as we go there. There's also a emergency guide there and an emergency management plan. And then Dan Miles and myself, uh, wrote uh, case studies that are up on the site that I think you'll find uh, entertaining there. I know in my particular case it was life-altering. It, it definitely changed the relationship uh, that we had with our members and probably as importantly with our employees as we really embrace that and I, as, many of us, uh, as many of us did. We definitely want to make this uh, interactive when we get done because I think there'll be a lot of lessons learned and a lot of opportunity for participation. So thank you. Yeah. All right, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good. Um, as Jim said, uh, this is a very interesting topic, and Brett, I'm actually newer than you, only four years, and used to snowstorms as well and other crazy things that happen up in the, the middle of the country. But with that said, this was definitely a life-changing event for me personally but also a life-changing event, as we talked about, for our associates and a life-changing event for our members. So, as luck would have it, this was my first official vacation from Ocean Reef. This was on the Seychelles Islands. It is, a, if you're lucky, it's a 20-hour journey to get there. This is on the more remote island. The reason I'm not smiling is because I've just been tracking Hurricane Irma and where it was headed. And it was headed with the eye going, at this stage, right over the top of Ocean Reef. And uh, we'd already had one vacation uh, cruise disturbed by uh, Hurricane Matthew the year before. And uh, 
my wife and I just had a conversation about the fact that I needed to get back to Ocean Reef. And it took me about 50 hours to get back. And that was a combination of flights, cancel flights into Fort Lauderdale, cancel flight into Orlando. And then finally, I got into New York City uh, on the Saturday before the storm. I wasn't even able to get here. And I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to tell you why that was a good thing, in my hum humble opinion. So this is part of what, what I was enjoying. Obviously, lots of beer, lots of food. But uh, certainly, the Seychelles was a great place to be, albeit for three and a half days. Uh, would, of a 14-day vacation that was planned for, that was a year and a half in the planning with four other couples from around the world. So this is basically what we were looking at as we came in. If you give you an idea of what the storm was and the size of the storm, if you have a look at the state of Florida and have a look at the size of this, uh, of this storm as it was coming in, here you get to see what was happening. This was a little later, uh, but again, clearly we knew we were gonna, we were gonna get hit. Uh, like Brett said, a couple of stats, the hurricane stats for the 2007 season, an average number of named storms in a season is 12. In 2017, we had 17 storms. The average number of major storms, too, this year, there were, in 2017, there were six. Two back-to-back -back Category 4s when Irma started was a Cat 5 heading towards us. The number of deaths, 262, and the most costly hurricane season, $203 billion uh, for this hurricane season that just passed in 2017. I wanted to give you a couple of pictures you're actually here now visiting with us at Ocean Reef. And I wanted to share with you photographs that were taken. My team is here in the room. Who all is here? Just stand up, guys. Mick, John, Lewis is here. Who else is here? Scotty's here. Please stand up. Th these guys, big hand. This is the team that. This is the team that put this back together again. Uh, you know, from the day it happened until when we were back serving our members was 100 days. And when you think about what we achieved in 100 days and then to be able to give them a flawless, uh, you know, new Christmas, New Year, holiday season experience was quite miraculous. These were pictures taken by John. John was one of 13 who stayed on the property, who rode out the storm. We call them the riders of the storm. They are now famous when people walk past them, they all bow down and give them their due diligence. So if you see John walking by, just please bow down and give him the, the, the necessary. That's the airport, ladies and gentlemen. These photographs were taken right after the storm. The 13 people were hunkered down in our medical center. Uh, and as luck would have it, the generators that we have in the medical center and the Cat 5 building that they were in did not work. We too were out of water for 10 days, out of electricity for uh, 10 days. It gives going to the bathroom a whole new meaning. Trust me, one of the life-changing things for. So this was the beach that you've all been out and seen. This was the shack that has been rebuilt. Uh, we had just put those palm trees in. If you were here last year, you would have seen there were no palm trees out in the waterfront. We went in, we spent uh, probably a quarter of a million dollars putting up palm trees to create a much nicer view for our members. And every single one of those palm trees that we put in had came down again. This is our pickleball courts, a couple of the houses, just really a, an, a situation of devastation. That was the point. If you've ever been out to the point, that was retiled. We were down to the nubs on, on that building there. And again, it just, the water damage, the surge, the wind, the driving rain, all of this was just really 
quite, quite amazing. This was the seaweed. Those were the pools. There were pools. There was sand in our pools on the beachfront where three, at least a third of the pools were covered with sand that had to be removed and taken back from all the surge. This is one of the trees in the golf courses. Jim, you mentioned about uh, damage to, not so much to buildings, but in this case, this storm did a lot of damage to trees and trees down. And as luck would have it, one of our challenges, uh, the only area that we had capped in our insurance was on trees and tree and debris removal, et cetera. So we worked through that, but uh, at the end of the day, that, that was a, a good lesson, lesson learned. These were the riders of the storm. As I said, there were 13 of them that rode it out. They were actually on property. They were right here going through this uh, experience. And again, without, there were some people cooking food. That's John in the bottom left-hand corner right there, uh, looking a little windswept. After the storm, a couple of pictures. Again, we mobilized. We had to do a lot of feeding for first responders. We got a uh, request from first responders in the area. As you know, the entire keys were closed. We got a call from first responders. I mean, they had to move criminals out of jails. They had people moving all over the place. We ended up taking about 120 first responders, feeding them. We have facilities on property uh, where we have uh, accommodation for our interns and for our uh, temporary staff. We have about 400 that we could have accommodated. We accommodated those. We accommodated staff that needed to be here. We fed people. Our staff were, our associates were actually out there working, doing things. The challenge is we couldn't get all of them back at the same time. So we had to hold them off. Everybody wanted to come in and help. Everybody was leaving their homes where they were damaged and wanted to come to Ocean Reef to help fix up what was needed here. I had associates say, can I cut down branches? Can I sweep? Can I rake leaves? What can I do to help? And these are people that Giovanni, if you see Giovanni, is Giovanni here? Giovanni's in the back of the room, our senior uh, executive vice president of food and beverage and logic. His house just got fixed about a week ago. And these were people that were here taking care of our members and doing things, uh, amazing things. Um, I will say that for those 100 days, I probably ate more hamburgers than I should have. But uh, we had to clear what was out, what was in all of our fridges uh, and coolers at, at the time. But they did a great job. We had members on property. Even though it was a mandatory evacuation, everybody had to get out of Ocean Reef and out of the county, we had a number of members hunker down and stay. Well, once the storm passed, there was nowhere else for them to go except to come to their safe haven, which was the club. This is a picture taken in an associate break room. So we were serving all of the foods. We were serving these, uh, these first responders. We were serving, serving our associates. And we were also serving members in this area. It was amazing. Giovanni and I both grew beards. A lot of us grew beards. And we said we wouldn't take the beards off until the storm was done. And mine lasted for 100 days and then came off. Giovanni only took his off a couple of days ago. So when I said this was life-changing, this meeting, we had this meeting right there in, the, in town hall. And because we were having some rumblings about associates that were coming back to work and that were working and some that were being asked to stay at home, we had this meeting. We had an all associate meeting. I think we had a little over 800 of our associates come in for this meeting. This meeting was life changing for me because we, we saw for the first time, I think you, you've all experienced the service here. This is a family. These are people that genuinely care about Ocean Reef. And this meeting, we, we spent an hour together. We talked. We had different discussions. We had different people stand up. 
at the end of the day, we, we got a standing ovation. And I'll tell you why we got a standing ovation, because one of our first things that we wanted to make sure that we did, and that was to make sure that our associates were going to be okay. I mentioned to you, I got back to New York on Saturday, and I rode out the storm Saturday, not that that was very difficult in a nice hotel, but I rode out the storm in, uh, in, in New York City, and the very first call that I had with the board members was, what are we going to do with the associates? Just like Jim mentioned, I probably would have failed the test on the, on the insurance policy and not have known all the different stuff that was in there. But that weekend is memorable for me because we made a decision without knowing what was in our insurance that we were going to take care of our associates. We were going to pay every single associate until such time as they could come back to work. Now, I'm not sure how many companies, how many organizations around this country would have done that. But this is what Ocean Reef did. And when we were able to go out to our associates and tell them, you may be called into work, you may be asked to do something, but we may ask you just to stay at home and take care of your family and take care of your house, but you're going to get paid for doing that. And we started off with the 13, that swelled to maybe 25 or 30, eventually got to 100, then we were 150, then we were 200, and we got to about that time without electricity and still without water, and then feeding all of the first responders, members, and others that we had to say to our associates, stop. We can't have any more of you come back in. We don't have the facilities. We don't have toilets. We don't have a place for you to shower. We don't have any of that stuff to do. Stay back at your home, take care of your home, tell us what you need, we'll help you where we can. And that really, that meeting was a combination of trying to explain to the associates why some people were working, why some were being asked to stay at home. And the meeting went some, it was a love fest. There were people hugging each other. I mean, HR, thank goodness they weren't there because there was a lot of bad stuff, good stuff, but bad stuff going on uh, in, that, in that meeting. So. The other thing that I think we got a lot of kudos, when I say we, I think the board and the senior management team got a lot of kudos. And this was part of the planning uh, in New York once I landed in New York. And that was that we were going to over, we committed to over communicate to our members. We started communicating way before the storm got you. We started telling them what was coming in. We started telling them what we had done. We started telling them about our plan. One of my biggest lessons learned, and you'll see this later in one of the slides, is in an instance like this, when you know this disaster is coming, you cannot over-communicate. We had a communique go out every morning and every afternoon. And the members got used to seeing one that came to them at 9 o'clock, and they knew at 4 o'clock they were going to get an update. Even if we didn't have anything really to communicate, the status hadn't changed, you know? Really, think about recovery. You know, things take time, chainsaws, moving trees, doing all that stuff. It doesn't happen quickly. It takes time to, to get that done. But there were over 70 communications that went out. And when members got back, to a man, to a woman, what they said to us, we've never experienced communication the way you did. And it wasn't that long. You can see these things, a one-page communication with a picture. And just, it was more about just letting them know we're here, we care about you. We understand your house is needing attention. We, we, we're going to get to all of this and just gave them a, a le level of comfort. Community Foundation. Let me say this first. The club immediately went into, into um, fundraising. And within a two-week period, we raised over $1.7 million for our associates. 
not including our managers, for our associates. That money was distributed. We gave out, I believe, uh, I believe we have 300,000 left in the fund, and the money that was left in the fund just this past week, uh, past two weeks, we made a decision as a steering team, we made a decision to use some of those funds to basically give a hurricane awareness kit to all of our associates. So they're getting something at the beginning of the season, hurricane awareness, here it is, a flashlight, you know, I'm not even sure what's all in it, but it's a nice package and we'll probably use up a lot of that money. At the same time, another million and a half was raised to basically give money to take care of folks that are down in the Keys. This is a very philanthropic organization, and there was one donor that put in, a, I think, a half a million dollars and said, you know, he, he asked for that to be matched, and, and that money went down the Keys, and we did that through a community found, foundation. So one of the things Beth said to, to share with all of you, what are the lessons learned? And there's probably 200, 300 lessons learned that, that all of you have been through, this, uh, been through this situation before. But it's good to be able to write them down. And I wanted to try and put them into three different categories. The first category was before. How did we plan? What were the lessons learned before? What were the lessons learned during the actual event? And then what were the lessons learned after the event? And again, with uh, the before, you have a little bit of time because you know this thing's coming, but you never want to admit it's going to come and hit you and impact you, right? It's always going to go down and it's going to hit somebody. It's going to hit Jim in Naples. It's not going to come through Ocean Reef. And then during, what are the lessons learned during that? We had 13 people on the ground. I had a senior manager, John Leiberger, was here on the ground reporting back. So a couple of lessons that we learned there. And then after, you know, you have a lot of time. You have hundreds of days afterwards to get back. So the first one here, you need to have a great insurance policy. And to Jim's point, you need to understand what's in the insurance policy. You know, had I looked at the insurance policy, I would have known that our insurance policy was such a great insurance policy written by RHA that our associates were covered for up to six months' salary. I didn't know that. We made that decision blind because I did not know that we had salary covered. But I think it speaks volumes for our board having the confidence to make, do the right thing and that's make sure our associates were gonna get paid. You need to have a great insurance policy and you need to test that insurance policy. You need to get experts in to have a look at, Jim, your point again, there are experts out there that can define all of the things we talked about. We struggle with some of the same stuff, we got them resolved, but you need to have a great insurance policy. We had a guy, a uh, public adjuster called Ron Papa, uh, National Fire Association. The best decision I ever made was have this guy come on board. Now, if you're in the insurance business, you know, public adjusters are not well liked. This guy has saved the club millions and millions of dollars. He has found things that we had no clue. And when I say no clue, I'm talking about senior staff and board members. There's such a nuance to insurance that I, I've learned more about insurance in the last six months than I, I think anybody could have learned. It, it just, it's amazing. And don't rely on yourself because we've got clubs to run. There are experts out there that can help you. I talked about communication, communication, communication. Cell phones. Yeah, we all had sat phones. All of the senior staff, we have a sat phone. Guess what? The sat phones didn't work. 
You had cloud coverage. You had all kinds of interruptions. Yeah, our cell phones, a lot of our cell phones didn't work. Towers went down. We eventually had one cell phone that did work, and that's one cell phone for 13 guys, and that's how John and I communicated. And to do that, he had to stand on a ladder, you know, on top of a building, you know, with his head hanging out of the one side, holding to get service. So the lesson there was, and we just ordered them, we ordered cell phones, and a second cell phone for every one of the senior staff, all on different service providers. Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, you know, T-Mobile, because you don't know whose towers are going to go down. You don't know who you're going to be able to communicate with. Cell phones, generators, portable generators, having the generators on standby. If they're coming, your advanced planning would be to make sure you know where these generators are. You know, if, they, if you think it's heading your way, go ahead and start speaking to your advanced planning people. Get those generators where they need to be. We were lucky enough. We had a lot of large portable generators pre-planned. John and his team had them. We got them in here very quickly, and we were able to operate on top of the portable stuff that we had. Here's one. Portal, portable satellite dishes. You can buy a satellite dish. You keep it inside. You have a, a, you know, where it's fixed on the roof. Take it off, you know, when the storm's, when the storm's happening. Then put that portable satellite back up again. Now you have internet. You're part of our communication strategy. It was difficult to communicate because a lot of the people that were here, even though they weren't at Ocean Reef, that live in our area, our associates, their internet was down. Their electricity was down. So at having the ability, I'm going to share with you um, a, 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 a story about that as well. Annual hurricane preparedness plan review. So here's the fallacy. I guarantee you every single one of you in this room, if you live in Florida and you work at a club, have got a preparedness plan, right? Yes. The challenge is, how many of you update them? And when you update them, how many of you then have a meeting afterwards to talk about all the stuff that's been done? Unfortunately, what happens is, just like a strategic plan that boards do, they do the strategic plan, and where does it go? It goes on the shelf. How often does it get reviewed? Not very often. How often should it be reviewed? At the beginning of every season. So we luckily were doing that. Paul Asprey left a good legacy of doing that. We were doing that. We had that planned. We had plans in place before that. So I think we got through this uh, a, a little bit unscathed. Challenge the plan. Add to the plan. Ask the what-if questions. Run the different scenarios that you, that, you, that you have. So during, while the storm is actually happening, I shared with you I was in the Seychelles. Did I tell you I was in the Seychelles? <laughs> Did I tell you I was drinking Mai Tais? Um, leadership on the ground. You know, I think for all the GMs in the room, your thought process, just like mine was, how can I get back to Ocean Reef as quickly as possible? I'm the captain of the ship. I have to be there when this ship is in trouble. I'm going to give you all a piece of advice. That's not what you want to do. If you're dealing with a Category 5 or Category 4, Category 5 storm, the leader, in my opinion now, this is in hindsight, and I'm just passing it on for what it is. Each of you will do your own thing. If you are bogged down in the middle of the storm, you cannot effectively be leading what should be going on. If I'd been here and I'd got back, I would not have been able to put in a communication plan like we did. I would not have been able to make decisions that impacted the lives of our associates. I had a first-class person, John Lieberger, who was, our, was my representative on the ground. John was here dealing with all the unpleasantry of a storm. 
no electricity, no water, you know, the big storm, the danger of the storm and how that was impacting. But as we went through this, he was giving me the reports that I needed to be able to start communicating, not only with boards, but with committees, with members, with associates. So I would say to you, rethink the idea of the captain of the ship being in the middle of the storm. The captain of the ship needs to be in a place where he can effectively manage what is happening. Plus, it doesn't hurt to have air conditioning. Uh, the visibility. Uh, I think during this, and this is one of the things that the 13 people that were here, and then right after the storm, is the visibility. I think your teams, the members, and everybody else need to see uh, see you visible, so you need to be in charge. The communication, I've talked about members and associates, and then obviously during the storm is to stay, to stay safe. That's probably the most difficult thing. I was so worried about John and the 13 people that were here because you know you look out, you don't quite know, you've probably not gone through a storm like this, you venture out, you don't think anything's going to happen, and then a tree comes. And my worry was that something was going to happen to those people that we had chosen, that had chosen to stay on, but really the responsibility was that I had not told them to leave, so I took some responsibility for them to be here and obviously be safe. After, you need to make bold decisions, because when you come back to a facility that is devastated, and I will tell you that Ocean Reef was devastated. Um, coming down Cod Sound Road, I was able to get in. The storm hit Sunday into Monday. I was able to get a flight in with one of our members on a private jet into Homestead. He had enough fuel and he had electronics to get in there. The airport was closed. But he got us in, and then we drove from there back. Coming down Cod Sound Road was a nightmare. It was over trees, around trees, doing different things. We finally got in, and the golf course, John uh, Juan, our superintendent, and Scotty, who's sitting in our back, our golf professor, head uh, director of golf, we had trees down. We had no electricity. We had extreme heat, extreme humidity. Greens were going to die. We had to clear debris off the golf course to be able to get the golf course to breathe. I made a decision. It was, I thought it was a great decision. It was a decision that, uh, that was going to cost the club about a million dollars, and that was to get qualified uh, debris removers from North Carolina. And I had to make the decision. John and Juan came to me with this group of people. They said, they're going to be thousands of people looking for people with these kind of qualifications. We got to pull the trigger. I pulled the trigger. The problem was it was outside of my authority, my, my financial signing authority. I made the decision. It was the best decision we ever made. And in hindsight, afterwards, the board was very happy I made the decision. But right in the chaos of everything, there was a lot of questions from board members. We've got to be careful what money we spend, how we spend this money, you know, who's, who's taking accountability. So again, I would say, have your limits, your spending limits set ahead of time. Do it now. Do it now while you're not under pressure. And then when you get into the storm, use this as an example. To clear two golf courses, the debris that was on two golf courses from a Category 4 hurricane was over a million dollars. Had we not had that, I don't know when we would have got people in to clear. Those people were on their way coming down to us, uh, and that decision, I think, saved our golf courses. We were back up and playing. Some of you got to play yesterday. You would have seen the golf courses in great, in great condition. I talked about the public adjuster, Ron Papa, critical, critical. If you've got any claim, I would say over $10 million, not having this guy is a big mistake. You have to have this guy. Our claim, uh, we're busy working through the uh, finality. 
the first pass on our claim was going to be in excess of 50 million. Uh, that was the reserve that was put on our claim. We're down now to about 38 to 40 million dollars. We haven't settled. We still have some business interruption that we're dealing with. The big one was golf course. We had a reserve on that of 10 million. We had to share that with Orca, the community association. That cost is probably around 14 million. So we're a little bit light in that area. Uh, we've made some up on some of the other stuff. Ron has been a huge help. Again, communication, communication, communication. You and your senior staff need to be the cheerleaders. I mean, we spent the 100 days walking around. We were in shorts, we were in t-shirts, we had scraggy beards. We were walking around, high-fiving everybody, making sure people got fed, going to these different meetings. You know, it, it was just, you need to be the cheerleader for everybody. Stay safe as well. We now know that most accidents happen after the hurricane during cleanup, with its chainsaws or anything else, other debris that you didn't know falling down. So where are we now? This was the beach area that some of you have enjoyed this weekend. And judging by Facebook, there were quite a few of you out there enjoying it in Speedos and Mai Tais and other wonderful things. Mix sitting in the back, that's one of Mick's areas, one of Mick's many areas. But uh, those pools were a challenge to get them back and up and running, get them ready for our members to come in. But great job by Mick and his team and them to get those pools back up and running. That's what the golf courses look like. You see the airport in the background. And again, this was fairly soon after the golf courses obviously look a lot better now. This was the point. That building, by the way, come to find out it was never permitted. <coughs> Shocker. We now want to fix it. Um, but anyway, we, we are able to fix it. We were able to get a permit. Uh, and that will be fixed. But that's, uh, that's what you see there now. That building will be ready for all. That's the pool, that's the sand in the pool that uh, I talked about a little bit earlier. And again, that's what our pools look like now. This was a fishing village. Those of you who had dinner and went down the fishing village, uh, it, it was bad. That was uh, 100, days, 100 days after. The beach area was devastated. Again, Mick and his team did a great job of getting it back. You can see we plant, replanted the, the same uh, palm trees were replanted back again. This was a new walkway that we put in that uh, between the point and, uh, and, the, and the slip, and never been used, and that too was badly, uh, badly uh, damaged. So, again, a very impactful storm. Um, I certainly look forward to taking some questions when we get through this. We've got one other speaker coming up, and then uh, happy to answer any questions or share any other ideas that anybody would have. Thank you. Okay, well, that was obviously a great presentation. You know, this is going to be a great example of David and Goliath. Okay, Ocean Reef, Goliath, Palmyra Golf Club, David. Okay, uh, 821 homes, 27 holes of golf, 375 members, which probably 95% of them were gone. Uh, my uh, board president stayed. The rest of them all hightailed it out. Uh, my wife wanted us to go up to our house in North Carolina, and I said no. I can't do that because I'm old school, just like what Michael just said. But in hindsight, now what you just said, I think makes a lot of sense. And to get people to understand that, go back and communicate to your membership and your board, I think is a, is a critical thing. Um, I, I feel sorry that you lost 11 days of your vacation. Um, the hard part, I think, during Irma, and you all have, that have stories of it, people that tried to run from the storm got caught everywhere they went. 
You know, they ended up trying to go to Orlando. Then they went to, to Tallahassee. Then they ended up in Alabama. You know, I got friends that ended up in Ohio. So it was just all over the place. But uh, going back to the start of this, I just want to thank everybody that took the time to, to take the survey and look at everything. So I think it's massively impactful. Uh, this is my second hurricane that I've had to deal with. I dealt with one in Houston that actually came up the Houston Ship Channel back in 82 when I was running a business club on the 50th floor of a building. And you'd think 50 floors up, you wouldn't have a whole lot of issue, but uh, we did. Um, and then I could bring my other slideshow of uh, uh, the earthquake with, that we dealt with in L.A. back in the uh, early 90s, which was uh, the reason why my wife wanted to get out of California. So communication, I think, is the key. The first things that we were doing was uh, reaching out to everybody. We had 15 employees and, and actually one ex-retired club manager and his girlfriend uh, stay at the club. They were afraid of, because uh, initially in Naples, they were, they were forecasting a storm surge of up to 12 feet all the way to Interstate 75. Well, those of you that have been to that area, that would have devastated our whole area. I mean, that's unbelievable. Uh, our clubhouse uh, is at the highest point in the community, and that's at 12 feet above sea level. So uh, we welcome people in. Obviously, I, I staged some of our senior staff there. Um, and then I hunkered down at, at my house trying to do a little bit of what Michael was talking about. Um, which one do I do? That one. There we go. There's the, the storm coming in at uh, 5 a.m. Um, on Sunday. You know, we were lucky because my wife's sister uh, is involved in a huge procurement firm in, in Houston for all the hospitals there, uh, well, two large hospitals. <clears throat> so they'd given them all this special equipment, and they were just dealing with Harvey. So she's texting us and sending us photos. Okay, the eye wall is over the Keys. It's coming ashore here. It's now in Naples. It's on Pine Ridge. It's going to Immokalee. And then we lost power, and the cells towers went down. So luckily, she didn't tell us what, what it looked like. It was heading towards our home and over the club. Um, but pretty, pretty, pretty scary. Um, Again, you can't see the photos and stuff on this. This is one of our first things. Again, short, sweet pictures, just talking to the membership, saying, here's what's going on. Like Michael said, I think that was probably the biggest thing that I got when the members came back is, thank you. And, you know, I'm not a great writer. I'm not a great speaker. And I write like I, like I talk. You know, I write from the heart. And the members came back and just said, hey, <laughs> we can't believe what you all did here. And... Um, you know, they were asking us to go check people's houses. I brought my son down. He put his drone up. We're filming people's roofs, uh, sending video back to them. But that day, that, that, uh, on the 12th, again, no power, no cell phones. We were out of power for almost a week and a half at the club. I'm down at the Publix, about a mile from my house, sitting on the roof of my car, trying to get this hot spot so I could talk to my IT guy who's in Connecticut so we get communications out to the membership. You know, so again, trying to figure through all that, a lot of lessons learned. Some of the stuff that we focused on, uh, like, like Michael said that Beth was asking us, you know, prepare for outcomes you can't predict. Again, we were all hoping it was going to hit the East Coast. <laughs> you, know, you know, I know, I know. You guys got like 20 more members than we got now. But, um, and then it started turning and going straight. And I'm going, okay, it's going to go out into the Gulf. Don't worry about it. And then you watch this little low-pressure system sinking down from the north, and it's going to push it right up. You know? And then it's like, bar the doors, and we go forward. 
Um, you know, like we we're talking about, organize all of your stuff in advance. Communication plan, you know, we were scrambling on some of that. Um, the executive team, you know, we've got a great plan. We, we retain an attorney on staff, and we also retain an insurance consultant on staff. Uh, funny story, I think it was eight years ago, it was probably my first uh, summer conference, and it was at Ocean Reef, and we had an insurance guy here talking about preparedness. Well, what did I do? I said, I'm going to go back to the club, look at all this stuff. Still didn't figure out the insurance coverage, but understood reserves and all this kind of stuff. And so we started working on that and have done a lot since then. Um, communication satellite phones. That was the first thing I said. Let's go buy a bunch of satellite phones. Again, sometimes they're going to work. Sometimes they're not going to work. I think the idea of having multiple carriers is, is a great one. Um, and we're definitely doing that. The employee team on site is huge. You know, up until we lost all our towers, my superintendent and I are texting. You know, my last words to him were, because they sent us a video from the upstairs of the clubhouse, and it looked like a blizzard from the Midwest. I mean, you could, and water was flying in our back doors. I mean, we visqueened everything, taped it off, sandbagged it, didn't matter. It was coming through the AC ducts all over the place. And they were up there trying to squeegee it. I said, go downstairs. <laughs> to heck with the clubhouse, go downstairs. Um, so figuring that out will help. That's my food and beverage director, Angel, standing out by one of the trees. As you saw one of the ones that Michael showed, that's where we got killed. You know? And really, the, you know, we have two policies on the golf course, debris removal and tea and green. The first thing they try to do is describe to you what's the difference between tea and green and what's in that and what's debris removal. Okay? And I told my superintendent when the first appraisers came on site, I said, okay, don't say anything. You know, I'll do all the talking to this guy. Well, we're driving out. There's like four of us in a caravan of carts. And he asked my superintendent the f first question. He says the wrong thing. I'm going, oh, shh, shh don't, don't talk, don't talk. You know, because it was about water. And, you know, we lost a lot of bunkers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we ended up getting it all covered. So it worked out well. But um, generator system. You know, about five years ago, we tried to talk to our board about we built a new grill room, 6,200 square foot building and said, why don't we generate it? And it was pretty cheap to do at the time. Ah, we don't need that. Well, now it's about triple the cost to put one in, and they're saying, when are we doing it? Yeah, I, that's part of what you sent me, right? Yeah. Um, right. And part of that reason is those that were in Lee or Collier County, their emergency management and housing of uh, residents basically failed. You know, Jermaine Arena was a joke. Um, so they've done a lot of different stuff. I got something that I'll talk about that in a second, but um, really interesting. So you definitely don't want, you know, we don't want to be housing all the, the public. It's hard enough taking care of the members. Um, that's a picture out one of our back windows onto the back area of the clubhouse looking out to the driving range. We just did a quarter of a million dollar re-landscaping project that we finished at the end of August. Again, 90% of it was on the ground. We just put in a beautiful 25 station artificial uh, mat system. They were all floating in the lakes, you know, just blew away. So stuff happens. Um, 
that's one of the pictures looking outside as the eye wall is coming in. Uh, pretty, pretty scary, and like I said, telling the staff to get downstairs. But sealing off areas, trying to, you know, you wouldn't think you'd have to deal with all the air conditioning ducts, but there was so much wind-driven rain, it found any kind of area that it could find to come into the buildings, okay? And my engineer was great. He covered up all these areas, but we had, you know, water just come flowing through. Tops of uh, compressor units got taken off, opened up an area, came right down into the clubhouse. So now we've got a better plan to go around and, and deal with all that, uh, making sure all the drains are opened up, all that type of stuff. Um, one of our issues is that we're not bundled, you know, so uh, we don't manage the HOA, even though I'd like to. Um, HOA president and the HOA manager left town. Well, you know, there was probably 15 trees over the entryway. I couldn't get in in my Tahoe. You know, I had to drive over the golf course to get in the front door. I show up, there's, there's a couple of guys outside with chainsaws, members, you know, I said, no, 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 put those down. You know, we'll get teams in here to clear all this, don't worry. Uh, we had a great rapport with the fire department. They were in on Tuesday with their trucks clearing streets as best as they could to help us out because they needed to get emergency management uh, equipment in if there was a, an issue. Oh, there's a part of the video working. So, yeah, not, not very... Uh, Fun. We have, there's a lake on the right, there's a, the, it's an aquatic range, and then a lake on the other side of the street. They all formed into one giant lake. You know, I had to hike in with my wife, and we're walking through water this deep. And she's like, well, I have to take off my shoes. I said, no, honey, leave your shoes on. <laughs> and she's looking around, is there alligators, water moxins, that kind of stuff. But uh, always fun. Understanding your insurance coverage. Um, you know, like I said, we've invested a lot of time and effort in this. And still, when it came down to the multiple pages and redefinitions of different definitions, they're going to get you. You know, that's their business. That's what they do. So you really, really have to spend a lot of time uh, in looking at. We're, we were insured by Aspen on the golf course side. They had 15 claims in the state of Florida, uh, the lowest about 200 grand, and upwards of over a million and a half on the high end. Uh, we do Zurich with all of our property insurance. Uh, couldn't get those claims done. We had $250,000 in damage, but it didn't get close to our deductible. So we had to eat that part of it, but we got everything else on the, on the golf course side. Um, this guy down in the right-hand corner was awesome. Okay? My superintendent comes out of his house on um, probably the end of the first week, and this guy's got a 65-horse uh, stump grinder, and he's doing stumps in the street. So he calls me up. He says, this guy will come do work for $500 an hour. I said, what's he do? Stump grind. I said, bring him in. You know, about 30 grand later, and I don't know how many stumps, but the tree you saw before with Angel standing it, he took that down, that stump down in about 15 minutes. You know, the guy was unbelievable. And at the end of the day, end of about three, four weeks that he was here, him and his dad, do you want to, do you want to buy this? Because you basically paid for the machine. I said, no, I don't have anybody that can operate that. So thank you very much. But super people, you know, I want to do a shout out to... Uh, Dave Gillespie, Brian Schultz, Lonnie, who's not here, um, Nick from, old, from Collier's Reserve, because we all talked on the phone in that first week and a half, because what was the hardest thing to do? Find vendors. You know, you're talking about people from North Carolina. We had Bartlett's come in. You know, we had a team from Houston come in. We had a team from Northern uh, Florida come in, but we all shared. They were at Dave's club in the morning. They were at my club in the afternoon until they had enough troop, because where were they? They were all in Houston doing stuff as well. 
so partnering with everybody together was a, was a massive thing and a, and a great help to everybody. Thanks for listening. This has been Education Elevated on the FLCMA Podcast Network. Download other episodes on a myriad of different topics for anyone in your club or organization, regardless of their job title or description. We'll see you next time. The last storm we had here at Ocean Reef was 25 years ago. So to actually live through this was an incredible experience. The biggest thing is communication before and after, taking care of all involved, all your staff. I look at it from the educational standpoint. What did we learn? What can we apply going forward? Do you have the cash, number one? Number two, what are you going to do with your associates? And number three, are you covered from a policy standpoint so that you can go ahead and make the best decisions for all your stakeholders? From Tallahassee to the Keys and everywhere in between, this is Education Elevated on the FLCMAA Podcast Network. Ron Papa, what a great name, Ron Papa. I love it. He was able to get us advances, and those advances, we had our own capital money that we had that we had to use in the first couple of weeks, uh, first couple of, yeah, probably six weeks, five to four to six weeks. We had uh, about 36 different insurance companies that are in our RHA plan at different layers. So you're up to five million, you've got eight or nine, uh, you know, up to 10 million. On top of the five million, there were another eight or nine. And then on top of those, there were you know, 13 or 14, and so, so it goes on. So getting the money in was tedious. The first draw was $10 million, you know, and it came in in dribs and drabs because they had to go to London and you're getting X amount from so-and-so and X amount from so-and-so. But uh, you know, just had a, I had to run out for a finance committee meeting, and we're now into the third draw of, uh, of, of nine million. I think it was 10.59, and we're halfway through the nine million dollar of the money coming in. It's already been approved, but uh, it, you know, the money comes in. So it, it comes in slowly. And again, I think to Jim's point, you know, you need to make sure you have your cash advance, you have your your cash reserves stashed away because you know we we were paying uh, probably 900 associates, you know. So you figure the payroll out for 900 associates on a week, you know, on a biweekly basis. I mean, there was a lot of money going out and not a lot of money coming. I mean, we were closed. We were closed for 100 days. I mean, we didn't open up the. The, the in operation, we didn't really open up our restaurants. We had a couple of satellite things going, but it was 100 days for us. I mean, the, the buildings, that, the in buildings that you guys are staying in were completely devastated with wind driven rain, with storm surges, with everything else. We'd done a $1.3 million renovation on the um, Dolphin building, interior softs. Not one person had slept in one of those rooms. Not one person. We opened up like the end of August, beginning of September. The second go round to fix that, what was damaged, every room was damaged because no electricity and wind driven rain and water was mold, right? So we had to go in back and the second time round, it was a $1.7 million redo of that. So it, it, was, uh, it was a challenge. Well, the service reports, a lot of times you can imagine this, they don't want to wait for the ship. Right. No, right. Right. no. They won't. No. 
And a lot of the people helping you, whether it's cutting down trees or doing all the other stuff, these guys have got laborers and people that are in there. They need to start paying out with cash. That's the other thing is having cash on hand. Right. We did that ahead of time. We went out and we got, I forget how much Ford got, but we probably had a couple of hundred thousand dollars on hand locked away in a safe. You just don't know when you're going to need that, right? So there's another. Yeah. Just a, uh, another lesson on that is in our uh, claim at uh, Gray Oaks, uh, we had put in, and we were with a national uh, company, and we went through the example on the broker, because as Michael said and Mark said, those decisions you have to make right away. So we had put out from a debris removal an example of what would be covered, and the broker said absolutely that would be uh, covered. My chairman, who was a, a, a RSM person, um, said get that in writing from them. We got that in writing from them, and then the insurance company came back after we spent a couple million dollars to pay some vendors to tell us that it wasn't covered. And, and obviously they're working on that uh, collectively uh, today. But it, you know, to the point being, you got to know what that policy is and don't believe what your broker says because the broker doesn't provide the insurance. Yeah, that's the last person you need to believe. Right. The other thing you said earlier was, you know, get some pre-approvals in advance. You know, like our first thing was $15,000 a day for the one company to start coming in. I was going to have five on site. Well, I'm not super comfortable on, you know, what's that going to cost in a week? You know, it's a little higher than our normal weekly budget for the golf course maintenance. So having your boards and whatnot involved in that in, in the front side is probably a good idea. Right. If anybody wants to have a look at what a, if you did that already, but if anybody wants to see what a pre-approval limit document looks like, we created it after the fact. If you let me know, I'll let Beth know, we'll be able to share that with you. It's, it's invaluable to have because you don't want boards second-guessing your decision when you're in the field. Right. You know, when you're up to your eyes in alligators, you don't want them second-guessing what you had to make a decision on. And as I said, some of the best decisions are made in the field when you're there seeing what's going on. But you have to make them quickly, and sometimes they can come back and bite you. Other questions? Um, we highly suggest that you use the report that we did with your boards to share this with them. Uh, like I said, all 46 pages of all the graphs, it is divided up by region, so it's not, it is aggregate, but it, then we also did it by the north because I think we had four or five people that had claims up there in situations. So it was, it's good for the folks in the north, it's not just what happened south. So we did it by region, um, so the information would be usable um, for you to take back. So that's in the 46 pages plus the other. I'm also going to throw out, I mean, Michael's adding an, an additional resource here from this pre-approval document. If you guys have things that you think that you would like to share in this resource document that we're going to do on the website, and you think it would be helpful to your peers, go ahead and send it to me. I mean, it's a link to put on there. So, I mean, if somebody you think somebody can get something out of it, let's make that resource page. It's going to be a dedicated page. We can just keep adding documents to it with a link. So if you think you have something to share, don't feel like you can't. Let's, let's take as much as we possibly can. There's one other thing that I think everybody should look at with the insurance policy, and that is, look, what happened with this storm is that it didn't just hit one place and disappear. Right. It hit one place and it kept hitting other places. So in our RHA insurance policy, once it became a named storm, we then had certain limitations. I, I mentioned about the $10 million on the golf course. 
But that $10 million wasn't just for us. It was everybody else on the insurance policy, on the RHA insurance policy, that was involved in that same named storm. So our biggest challenge or our biggest real scare was when we found that out, there were seven other golf courses on the West Coast, on the East Coast, that were affected by the storm. The only thing that saved us was that our, um, our minimum, our uh, deductible was a half a million dollars. All of the other golf courses that were impacted didn't reach the deductible. Had they all reached the deductible, that $10 million, which we got to share with our, um, our community association, that could have been reduced down to one-seventh of what it was. So again, understand inside of your policy what your deductibles are and how that relates to a name storm and how many, if this thing bounces around and goes like it did to, you know, all over the state of Florida, it could severely impact you and cost a lot of money. You think you covered with $10 million right. on a golf course, and in this case, had that happened, we would have been really bad off. I mean, it would have been very expensive. Any other questions, comments? Yes, sir. Right. The assistant general manager and the uh, and the communications person, and that was fantastic because they were able to acquire stuff that we couldn't get. We couldn't buy any more generators. We couldn't buy any more tankers. We thought we had bought enough, but we didn't. And they were able to get us financing. We were able to rebuild it, uh, even though we plugged in the tower and we backed everything up and built a couple of stairs. But I would suggest that. So that is, that is the lesson learned, and that is part of our plan. So any future hurricanes that come through Ocean Reef, uh, senior controller and your communication specialist need to be off-site. They're absolutely useless to you sitting here. Absolutely useless. They need to go pick a place, Vegas, Chicago, LA, it doesn't matter. As long as they have the ability to communicate and to do that, Part of our communication challenge was, as I mentioned, some of our communication people were in Miami. And that was nearly as badly hit as we were, so there were challenges there. So if you can get them to a city north where they're not impacted is a, and it's very, as you said, very inexpensive. It's an airfare, couple of nights, hotel room, and a, and a, and a cell phone, and they can do all of that. So thanks for mentioning that. That's a good point. Thank very you. good point. Thank you very much. Anything else? Anybody else has to share? Yes, sir. You mentioned you had 800 or so employees and you only brought in about 200. Is it more senior management or how serious was the liability involved there as well? Yeah, initially it was, uh, it was senior management. You need leadership to kind of better understand. You were talking about the concentric circles. You have to start somewhere. It's overwhelming. It is so, the devastation is so bad. You kind of get you know, gun shy, you don't know what, where to start or what to do. So you need to have that senior team come in. You need to have people that can feed other people. And then you need to have people that can actually do some work. That picture at the point of people moving bricks, those are all managers. We have, I think, 42 senior you know, managers on property. And that was the team that came in. They were doing manual labor. They were moving, you know, stuff around, debris around, taking care of so there were skills that they had to learn. We didn't ever put anybody in a position to do, we weren't asking accountants to do chainsaws. But we were allowing people to help where they could help. 
but our problem was compounded because of no electricity and no water and the ability, just basic things like going to the bathroom, you know, uh, being able to feed them. We, have, we had limited resources of what we could feed. If we'd allowed everybody back in, we just we couldn't have fed them. We would have been completely overwhelmed. And I think that's where you have accidents and bad things happen, is when everybody comes back, they all want to help. They start doing things that they shouldn't be done. There's not enough supervision. This way, I think with a smaller team, your concentric circles growing, 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 growing out is, is definitely the way to go. Super. Anything else? Yes, Mark. We will, yeah. We were lucky enough to uh, have involvement from FEMA and get some approval, and that was done through our community association. And basically what they did, we had to collect debris and take it to a certain place. Once we got it to a certain, there were four, uh, three or four John collection sites, four collection sites on property. Once we got the debris to that, to that point, they then came and collected that and drove it out of here. Saved us millions of dollars. I mean, I could, do you know offhand how many truckloads went out of here, John? Can you remember? It was thousands. Yeah, it was about 1,200. Yeah, it was. But had we not had that, you know, had we not had that pre-approval, had we not had that agreement, we had the benefit of 25 years ago, we had Hurricane Andrew go through here. That's when the members bought the property. The same uh, executive who was running the homeowner, the homeowners association, the, the uh, community association, is still with us today. So he had a great memory and had remembered some of the stuff that you know he was challenged with. So he got that pre-approval and that helped us tremendously. I mean, literally saved us millions of dollars. So it's a good point. Um, I believe you'll see in the data in the 46 pages that there are, I want to say there were six or seven clubs right. that did tap in and receive FEMA money. Yeah, you just had to move it to another site. Yeah, right. so they did tap in, but only seven of the respondents that you know, responded to the survey, only seven tapped into FEMA money. So maybe that's a, an opportunity for that's next tough. time mm -hmm. to, to look at your opportunities and what you do for that next time. Yes, Ryan. Doesn't seem like it. Not sorry, dues are fluid. I think that's a slippery <laughs> slope. I oh, think yeah. once you start that, you know, any other inconvenience is going to say, well, you did it for that. We just kept things as normal, kept communicating. Um, our members were thrilled that we were taking care of the associates. They were so going to pay other for than it one way or another in a, in a yeah. subsidy or in their <coughs> paying, continuing to pay their dues. Outside of the communication, the next thing that they were the most proud of was the fact that they, which really it's their club, they had taken care of the associates. So that was a big deal for everybody. And they, I think what you saw was the golf courses opened last. The clubhouses opened up earlier. You know, in hindsight, I would have left my clubhouse closed because even when we opened up, there wasn't any people to come use it. And I could have got more out of my business interruption claim than I would have had, you know, because I'm used to, you know, get it open, get it going. And it would have been better for us financially to keep it closed and we would have got all that money back 
from the BI side. Fabulous. Anybody else? Yes, Chris. Is that full generator? Yeah, I think one of the uh, one of the other lessons learned is not only on the clubhouse, but we, uh, you know, we were out of power, so we had to put generators onto the pumps for the oh, gas yeah. oh, for yeah. the golf courses, and those uh, generators are harder to come by, so we ended up having to come over to uh, Miami, and and those were expensive. I mean, they were like thirty thousand dollars, but if you're out of power for two weeks in order, and you're and the flooding has gone down, you have. To, you have to put water out on those courses. So that's that's a really good point because we, we did, after the fact, buy some additional portable generators to be able to do stuff on a large, slightly larger scale. We have had that in the budget. But the one that really is absolutely imperative is being able to get water on the golf course, getting water on your greens. If you can't get water on your greens, and it is different phase, if you can't get water on your greens, your greens are gone. Now you're talking about a... $3 million exercise uh, as opposed to being able to get those generators. And that's a separate claim after the fact. Totally separate. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This has been Education Elevated on the FLCMA Podcast Network. Download other episodes on a myriad of different topics for anyone in your club or organization, regardless of their job title or description. We'll see you next time.